Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Today, week three, mindset. Uh, My name's Jonathan. I'm the lead pastor. So excited that you've decided to join us. And before we dive in, um, just a little housekeeping off the top. Last night, I was was watching the Niners and the Packers game with a friend of mine, dear friend of mine here at the church. Um, Yep, exactly. And uh, he's a Packers fan. And so, you know, uh, right here, second row, Brandon, love you, bro. And here's the deal. Uh, Packers played awesome last night. 49ers, not so much. And, uh, you know, right, I told him right off the top, I was like, look, man, I got to leave at halftime. Sunday's long day. I need to get better early, all that stuff. Uh, The problem was the Packers were winning. And so he said, hey, Jonathan, I'm sorry to inform you, but you actually can't leave. Like, you might jinx it or something. You know, this is amazing. I can't even believe it's as close. Um, Nevertheless, I I did stay one extra quarter, but then I left, and uh, on the way home, that's right, Niners turned it around, okay? So you all can just thank me for the 49ers victory. Um, Brandon asked me, oh, come on, dude, no, look, man, he he asked for a public apology uh, from me, and I will say I'm sorry for your loss, but to the rest of you, you're welcome. So there you go. Love you, bro. Um, you know, we're, we're diving into mindset and this whole series has really been centered around just, man, the battle of the mind. How, how do we bring our thought life under the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ? You know, right now in our culture, the, the whole reality of mental health is, man, it is, you know, front and center. It is center stage for everyone, people are beginning to realize, man, there are struggles that I'm facing that I don't know how to get out of that are ruining my life, and it's, it's all wrapped up in my mind and my emotions, and this whole series is looking at God's word. What, what does God's word speak to the battle of our mind? What does it teach us about the battle of the mind? And it is amazing how much and how often the scriptures speak to this issue because what God knows and what you and I know is that whatever gets a hold of our mind and our thoughts, it dictates the direction of our lives. Whatever gets a hold of our minds and our thoughts, it can dictate our moods and our emotions and our relationships. Friends, I dare say there are few things as important for you as you enter into a new year than learning to engage and fight and win the battle of the mind. Amen? The, sub, the subtitle, where all this is headed, is what does it look like for us to go from struggle to strength? What does it look like for us to go from struggle to strength? We're gonna start today by looking at Romans 12, verse one and two, one of the most important passages about what it looks like for us to win the battle of the mind, but also to be transformed through winning the battle of the mind. Here's what Paul writes in the book of Romans. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. And what what he means by that, and the word your bodies in Greek really is your whole life. It's not just your physical body, it's your mind, heart, emotions, it's every part of you. And what Paul is saying is you were designed, you were made to live a life of worship. 
to become a living sacrifice. Sacrifice was an act of worship to God in ancient times. So we are called to present our entire lives as a living act of worship to God. That's what Paul says, which is your spiritual worship. Then he says this in verse two. Do not be conformed to this world. Other translations say to the pattern, the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your what? Mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right, so, so where does transformation begin? Where does it come from? Where does it start? In the mind, the renewal of the mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So friends, we're gonna look at this idea, man, how do we change? How do we actually experience the transformation that the Apostle Paul is writing about in this verse? What does it look like for us to be renewed in, in the spirit of our minds and the reality of our thought life? And how will that actually affect the direction, the course, and our experience of every other thing in our lives, our relationships, the things that matter to us most, our self-image, our self-confidence, um, how we experience worry or peace or joy or sadness. What does this actually mean in our real lives? Don't be conformed, but be transformed. And so the title of my message today, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that just so you can, you can go back and remember some of the things we hit on. And I was tempted to turn today's sermon into like part one and part two because there's a lot of information. But I wanna talk about the five daily battles. The five daily battles. And we know this, don't we? A war is never won in a single battle. A war is never won in a single battle, there's a series of battles. There's a series of victories and losses, typically on both sides, before a war is won. And every day, you're gonna be presented with various battles, fights. You're gonna be presented with challenges and trials every single day because you're alive and breathing on this earth. <laughs> and this earth is, man, it is full of struggle and temptation and difficulty. You will not make it through this life without facing the reality of brokenness and sin and trials and struggles in this world. There could probably be 500 daily battles that we could talk about, but we're gonna focus on five and my prayer is that we would begin to engage these battles every day. We would begin to fight them every day. Not, not that you have to win them every day. You won't win them every day. You won't. But you have to be aware of them and you have to engage them. You see, our mindset is the first line of defense. It's our mental filter. It's the lens through which we perceive. I should have fixed that typo. That's a weird way to spell perceive. The lens through which we perceive, experience and respond to the world around us. You know, it's, the world is gonna throw things at you. Life is gonna throw things at you. Things are coming at you constantly. Triggers, temptations, trials, struggles. It, it's always gonna be there. If you're not in a storm, you just came out of one or you're heading into one, that's life. Friends, the mindset is the filter or the lens through which you face those trials. And the same person, two different people facing the same trial, 
Two people facing the same trial, depending on their mindset, will have a completely different experience of that trial. One person, if they've been engaging the battle of the mind, if they've been renewing their mind in God's word, one person may experience the same trial as someone else and they may say, this is not gonna define me. This isn't gonna take me out. This, my God, my God is not done writing my story. Yes, this is difficult and painful and I may be discouraged now, but I'm not quitting, I'm moving forward. God is with me. The very, same, the very same trial may be experienced by somebody else who is not a believer, perhaps has not been paying attention to the battle of the mind, and that very same trial might crush them, discourage them, beat them down. It might reaffirm a narrative in their own lives that says, you're never gonna make it. You should just give up. You should stop fighting, stop trying, because it's already over, you've already lost. Friends, our mindset is so important. It is the filter by which we experience the world around us. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, and I'll say in our minds, a thousand problems are solved all at once. Much of the battle of the mind, much of the fight that you're facing every single day is simply to put God first to worship him as God, to remember that he is sovereign and in control over your life in the world, to remember that he's a redeeming God, a loving God, a forgiving God, to remember who God is and to make him the center point of your life. And as you do that, it does not mean you will not have more trials or temptations to face in the future. It just means that those things are not gonna take you out in the way they used to. As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, everything else begins to fall into place. And yet, often, often we find ourselves in ruts, in bad habits, returning to old vices, doing the same old thing. We're not living in the freedom that Christ has offered to us. I think about my, my dog, my childhood dog growing up, a little Welsh terrier, Terrifying little thing. He had serious mental health problems. Um, a little fluffy dog, but man, was he feisty, okay? And our backyard was, was right up against a sidewalk in our neighborhood. And anytime any of our neighbors or anybody in the neighborhood came anywhere near our backyard or that fence, Skipper took it upon himself to fully let that person know, to, to protect you know, his house, his yard, his pack, his little tribe, whatever. And he would run straight to the fence, sprint up and down that fence a hundred times, barking as loud as he could, just to let that person know, if you come over here, you're mine, you're dead, right? Now, my father could not stand that dog <laughs> because that dog was ruining his perfect lawn. Every single time Skipper ran up and down that fence, he began to create this rut of dirt. And when it rained, it was mud. And it was like the most visible part of our backyard where everyone could see. And the rest of the lawn was beautiful except for this massive rut right by the fence. So my dad is like, I'm fixing this problem right now. And he purchased an invisible fence. Y'all remember, I don't even know if these are legal anymore. <laughs> he buried that sucker underneath the rut 
put the collar on Skipper, and he's like, yeah, try it again, buddy. And, you know, the little collar, it gives the warning beeps as you get closer to the invisible fence. So 10 yards away, it gives a beep. A little bit closer, it starts beeping louder and more frequently until if he crossed the line, it gave him a little buzz. And he's like, whoa. And then he ran back. It only took two times of him crossing that line to realize, I don't really like that. I'm not going over there anymore. But he's a smart dog. And he realized, well, I can still bark and run 10 yards away from the fence. So I'll just bark real loud and run real fast right down the middle of the yard. And I don't know, a month later, you know, the grass was all perfect next to the fence, but right down the middle of our backyard was a brand new rut. And friends, so many times in our own lives, we are triggered by something. Something, something causes us to react. Something makes us afraid. Something, something may a perceived threat, like Skipper perceived our neighbors and everybody else as somehow a threat to our family. So inside of his little, you know, doggy brain somewhere, he thought, I need to let this person know, stay away from my territory. Those people were not threats to my dog or my family. He was acting out of something that he perceived and, and quite frankly, something that wasn't true. And he was returning to the same ruts and the same destructive behavior in our backyard time and time again. Now, friends, all of us do this in some way or another. All of us, as we face the battle of the mind, will begin to realize as you begin to take inventory of your thoughts, as you begin to think about what you're thinking about and become aware of, man, where are my emotions coming from? What's causing me to act in this way? Why do I keep returning to the same old ruts, the same old vices, the same old habits, the same old addictions, the same self-destructive behavior? I know, you know what I'm afraid of or what I'm believing or whatever. These things are not gonna fix that thing. It may make me feel better for a little while and my brain has gotten really used to going back to those places, but how do I get out of these ruts? How do I find freedom? How do I break free from that? Well, I believe victory begins in these five daily battles that we're gonna look at today. These are five battles I believe you and I must engage in every single day. You're gonna lose a lot of these battles doesn't mean just because you begin to engage these battles that suddenly you're gonna win the war. The battle of the mind and the journey with Jesus, it's a lifelong journey. You're never gonna reach full perfection and victory on this side of eternity. It's not possible. We are always going to struggle with something in some way. But I do believe we can find significant freedom this side of eternity. I do believe we can walk in significant joy and peace. I believe God can tear down strongholds that have held you back for years, even if you've been returning to the same old ruts for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. God can bring freedom. Five battles that we have to face. Number one, we have to fight the battle of perception versus reality. Number two, the battle of comfort versus joy. Do we wanna be comfortable in our same old habits or do we wanna experience true joy by finding new ways to live? The daily battle of distraction versus attention, the daily battle of shallow versus deep, and finally, the battle of shame versus grace. And really what this one is about is the daily fight of faith. The daily fight of faith. And so number one, the battle of perception versus reality. Now, we just read this, but I wanna point this out one more time. 
says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world. We are constantly, friends, being shaped by this world. From the moment you wake up, you roll over and you, you know, pop open that smartphone or that device and you begin to scroll You check the news, you check the email, you check text messages, you check your social media platforms. It is affecting you emotionally. It is shaping the way you look and view the world. The inputs that you allow in become your reality. How you perceive those things become your reality. And friends, if you don't take inventory of, man, how am I being conformed and shaped by what I'm putting into my mind every single day? If you don't take stock of that, and I just, I wanna encourage you, a very simple, practical thing to do, simple, practical way to help yourself if you struggle in this way, just with, you know, screen time or immediately waking up and throwing yourself straight into the melee of whatever is on your phone that day. Put scripture ahead of screen. Put scripture before screen every single day. Every single day, start your day first by acknowledging God in prayer. I don't care if it's a simple, Lord, I'm awake. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Um, Find one or two things to say thank you to Jesus for and just say, Lord, would you walk with me today and help me in whatever stronghold you're up against right now? Done. You don't have to pray 50 Hail Marys or 100 Our Fathers, okay? Just talk to Jesus and bring him into the moment and then open your Bible. Friends, we on our Mindset Resources page, which you can go to on our website, hills.church, there are so many Bible reading plans. We've offered one that we really like that you can jump on, get the Bible app. Here's the only exception to scripture before screen is if you're looking at the scripture on your screen. Okay, that's okay. But it's very tempting to, you know, click the other app. So I encourage you buy a real Bible. But Get into God's word daily. Get into God's word daily because that is where your mind will begin to shift from perception to reality. You will begin to shift from how the world is shaping your thoughts and your anxiety and your worry and your anger and your fear to this level of peace that maybe you've never experienced before simply because you're taking a look at your inputs. What are you putting into your mind, into your heart, into the deepest things of our lives? Because here's what I know. And I know this from experience. I I know this from, gosh, the journey of dear friends who have walked through this. But our brains, our minds, neurologically, they are conditioned to avoid pain and pursue what is most comfortable and convenient. Amen. That's how we're wired. We don't like pain. We avoid it. So we take the path of least resistance to get out of whatever pain we're feeling in the moment so that we can get back to a state of comfortability and peace, right? Now, there is this reality in life, this reality that we can't avoid called trauma. Now, there are different levels and degrees of this, But trauma is just what happens to all of us. And whether you had an amazing upbringing, whether it was a traumatic upbringing, there are no perfect families, but you cannot make it through life on earth without experiencing some form of trauma. Now, that can come in the shape of abuse, bullying, neglect, 
It can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. It can be things that were done intentionally to you. It can be things that just happened to you that you never saw coming. But we, as humans, when we experience something traumatic, it doesn't just go away. We can't just erase it from our, our memory. We carry that with us at one degree or another, depending on what we went through. That goes with us forward into life. And then... As we move through life, as we move into college and marriage and careers and everything else, because the world is always gonna be throwing something your way, you're gonna get triggered. And somehow that's gonna remind you or take you back to that painful place of trauma, even if you don't realize that's what's happening. And so all of us, whenever we've experienced something traumatic and then later in life we're triggered or something new happens, we go back to this place of fear and pain and deep inside of us and we think, gosh, how do I, how do I calm that down? How do I get rid of that pain? And then the ruts that we find ourselves in, the vices, strongholds, addictions, the bad habits, these ruts that we, that we turn to, you see, they're not just ruts. They're not just the problem. At the end of the day, those are the first way that we figured out how to deal with our trauma. Talk to any alcoholic who's been through AA and has found recovery. What he or she will tell you is simply this. I learned early on that alcohol wasn't the problem. It was what I turned to as my solution because I didn't know where else to turn. It was the one thing I could turn to to calm me down when I was triggered by something that took me back to my trauma and made me afraid. So I kept returning to that same old rut because it worked temporarily. See, our ruts, they always work until they don't. Yeah, they fix the problem temporarily on a surface level. They work until they don't. And they're comfortable, they're familiar. They're what we know. I mean, you can think about it like this, your vices, your self-destructive behavior, your bad habits, your addictions, they're not the problem. They are the symptoms of a deeper problem rooted in your heart, rooted in your thought life. And friends, in case you're wondering, all of us are here. All of us are here at one level or another. This is not unique to you. You are surrounded by people who are all dealing and battling as well. I want to give a few scenarios of this, right? Where do these strongholds come from? Where do these behaviors come from? Well, you know, I'll just set this up. Maybe for you growing up, money was tight in your household. It caused a lot of fighting and friction between your parents. Always fighting about money, never wondering what, you know, where the next paycheck was going to come from or how we were going to make it. And eventually, maybe that led to a divorce or that led to a separation between mom and dad. Your house was filled with conflict, chaos, and you know you just felt like life as a young child. It was a little bit out of control. So a couple strongholds were developed. You realized as an adult or deep down you associated, okay, if I don't have enough money in life, that means all my relationships are gonna fall apart. I'm gonna get abandoned one day. And my money, if, I, if my bank account isn't big enough, then I don't have a safety net in life. Everything's gonna fall apart. And so I need to make sure that I have enough money always. So my whole life is gonna be revolving around getting enough money to make sure I'm safe. 
And so suddenly you wake up 10 years into marriage, three kids later, and you're a workaholic. You have no relationship with your wife or children. Money is controlling your life. The fear of not having it is controlling your life. And suddenly, you also realize, gosh, maybe another thing, another stronghold, another way this plays out in life is you lived in chaos and conflict as a child, and so you're a people pleaser now. And whenever somebody doesn't like you for whatever reason, your internal world comes crashing down. You think everything's gonna fall apart and it's all gonna be your fault because you lived in conflict and chaos and so you live now as an adult or as a teenager or as someone who is older, you live to make sure everything is in control, everyone's happy, everybody's at peace with each other. That's not doable. It's not possible. Sometimes that may even lead to allowing others to take advantage of you or walk all over you just because you're so terrified of conflict. You're so terrified to address some of the issues in your life. Friends, ruts and strongholds and vices and habits and addictions and all these different behaviors that we deal with in our life, they often start very young. Sometimes we don't even know where or how they started, but until we begin to get out of perception and into reality and look a little deeper below the surface and say, why do I feel this way? Why am I living this way? We will keep returning to the same old patterns of life. So you have to engage the battle of perception versus reality. Begin to ask yourself, okay, why am I going back to this? Where did this start? Where did this come from? Number two, comfort versus joy. I'll say this, in this life, you can either be comfortable in the same old ruts and habits until they destroy your life, or you can learn to dig new trenches of truth and fight for true joy. Here's the problem. The journey to true joy, the journey to freedom is not comfortable. It's not the path of least resistance. It's not the thing you're even familiar with. It's learning to live an entirely new way. And that, my friends, is hard. But James gives us some encouragement in his letter. Um, he writes in James 1, 2, and 4, he says this, consider it pure joy. Pause, full stop. Always one of the most difficult verses for me. He doesn't just say, consider it joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. He goes, consider it pure joy, ultimate joy the best thing. Woo, this is awesome. How many of you, when you face a trial or an internal stronghold or you're like up against some pattern of thinking in your life that you feel like you're gonna be stuck in forever, how many of you are like, yes, let's go? Not me, I'm like, oh, get me out of this. This is painful, this hurts, this is uncomfortable. I wanna get back to that rut where I know at least for a little while it'll take away the pain. And James goes, no, you see, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith, it actually produces perseverance. It produces good things in your life. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I thought of it like this as I was meditating on this this week. Every trial in your life every stronghold in your life, every trigger moment in your life, it offers us a choice to either stay in the same old rut or to dig a new trench of truth and freedom. It's an opportunity. It's a crossroads. 
kind of plays out like this. I'll never forget, um, first year of marriage, my wife and I, we were living in a 350 square foot basement apartment in Atlanta. We were working for a mission organization in Haiti. I was taking a lot of trips down there. We were fundraising for a school they were launching that provided free meals and education to this entire community in Haiti. And we got married in November after the honeymoon. We came back home to Atlanta. November in Atlanta is horrible. It's like 35 degrees every day and raining. You're like, God, I wish it was just snowing, but it's just awful, awful weather. And we run from the car down beside the house into our little tiny basement apartment. We take one step and just splash three inches of water on the floor. Feeling like an awesome husband at that moment, right? I call the landlord upstairs. I'm like, Ralph, it's flooded down here. What makes it even better is the fact that I hadn't even set up our bed yet in our room, so the mattress was on the floor, and it did a great job of soaking up all the water, praise Jesus. And um, Ralph was like, oh my gosh, I thought I had that fixed. I'm so sorry. And he goes, I hate to ask you to do this, but we gotta fix this problem, and we gotta fix it now, or man, you know, mold all the things. I'm like, all right, what do we do? Like, do, like, do you have some heavy machinery or something? Like, how do we get down, you know, to the foundation where we can dig a new trench and, you know, divert the water? And he's like, well, the water's getting in underneath the front patio. It's coming in through that wall. I know where it's coming in. This has happened before. I thought I had it fixed, but man, it's been raining a lot. He goes, we got to get under the front patio. It's 35 degrees pouring rain. And we got to dig a new trench down about five feet so we can get to the foundation and put a French drain in down there. And then I'm going to reseal and tar the wall. I'm like, I'm moving now. Thank you so much. But I went outside at like 11 at night when we got home and we dug all night a trench to get down to the foundation to lay a French drain on my very first night as a married man back in my 350 square foot basement apartment. Awesome start to life, friends. And right there, James goes, consider it pure joy. <laughs> consider it pure joy because when you get through this, you're gonna have a dry home. You're gonna have a dry home. You're never gonna deal with this again. It's gonna take a lot of suffering and work and perseverance, but in the process of digging, it is going to shape you and form you. And yes, it may not be comfortable. Yes, you may hate your life for a while, but you are digging a trench towards joy. You are digging a trench towards freedom. You're digging a trench towards a new way of living that gets you out of the ruts that are destroying your life. Friends, how do you dig a trench of truth? How do you do this? You have to do it with God's word. You have to identify what's going on. What were the trauma and the triggers? What are the lies that I believe that caused me to think that every neighbor walking by my fence is going to somehow harm my family? So I run back to the same rut. What lies am I believing that I need to replace with truth? You need to start listing and naming the lies in your mind that you believe that money is my savior, safety, and identity. That if I worry about it, somehow that's gonna make it better. Friends, worry is just a conversation that you have with yourself about things that you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change. So you're bringing God into these moments, right? You gotta identify the strongholds and the issues in your life and say, what lies am I believing? And then you have to replace those lies with truth. And friends, 
you, depending on what the lies are that are leading you back to the same old ruts, you need to use Google. We have, again, on our mindset webpage, on our website, we have a whole list of fighter verses. So whatever your struggle may be, there are scriptures that you can begin to use and recite and memorize to go to war and face that battle every day. And you will lose sometimes, but if you stick with it, you're gonna begin to dig a new trench toward your joy and your freedom. Next one. We'll, we'll get through these, we'll move through these quickly. But distraction versus attention. The battle of distraction versus attention. Matthew 6.22 says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, what you give your attention to, what you look at, what you absorb into your mind, if it's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if what, if what you're consuming and giving your attention to all the time is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Friends, did you know there's a battle over your attention? There is this amazing article that I came across titled The Attention Economy and the Internet that was written in 1997 by a theoretical physicist named Michael Goldhaber. And this was right when the internet was invented. And he was sort of this guy who could see what the internet was gonna do to us. He goes, this, this thing is gonna change the world. And he writes, this was amazing. Um, he argued that as the quantity of information on the internet began to overwhelm our minds, as the quantity of information on the internet, on your phones, began to overwhelm our minds, our attention would become the scarcest resource on the planet. Our attention would become the resource that all the companies on earth are fighting for. Friends, the attention economy is based on the fact that every company in Silicon Valley, every major company on the planet knows this. If they can get your attention, which everyone's trying to get your attention, they're gonna, look here, listen here, see my content, this is what you need. If you don't have this, you won't be happy. This is your path to peace and joy in life, right? Attention, attention, attention. They know if they can get your attention, if they can keep you scrolling, and you click that ad two times, three times, by the fourth click, you're like, all right, I'm buying it. This is what I need. But what they wanna do is they wanna keep you sucked in. They wanna keep your attention because if they have your attention, they know this, they control your life. They control your emotions, your moods. The attention economy is a real thing. Friends, what are you giving your attention to? You need to engage the battle of the mind and take an audit of where you give your attention. What are the main sources of input? that are affecting your mental state every single day. There is a battle for your attention. And as you begin, like A.W. Tozer said, to exalt God to the rightful place in your heart and life, as you begin to set your mind on him, the mindset on God, on the spirit, is life and peace. The mindset on the things of this world is death. Romans 8, 5. What you give your attention to in your mind eventually shapes your life. The next one, the battle of shallow versus deep. And really, this one is just fighting for your heart. You have to understand whatever ruts you're in, whatever behaviors and actions that you find yourself going to, look, they start in your heart. 
Behavior modification doesn't work. Just trying to deal with the external issues or whatever the habits may be without examining what's happening inside your soul means this, at the end of the fight, you're gonna be exhausted and discouraged because you have no idea where that fight, that battle is actually coming from. I remember, I mean, when we moved into our house four years ago, the back deck was rotting out. There were a bunch of trees that we had to remove that had grown up under the deck. And there was one tree we could barely get to and we couldn't kill the root system. So we built the new deck over that tree. Um, it didn't destroy the deck or anything, but one day this past summer, I noticed behind, we have this little uh, piece of like patio furniture on our back deck. And I noticed behind it, there were these leaves like coming through the deck. And I was like, huh. And so I, I went around, went under the deck and I mean, the biggest massive, just huge bush of tangled vines and things everywhere was growing under the deck from the root system of that tree. And it was, it was intertwined with my deck and, and those branches were getting bigger and some of them I couldn't even get out. It took me hours to clear that out. And then I went after that thing with like some root killer, stump killer. I drilled into it. I was like, I'm gonna kill this thing at the root. Friends, our hearts, this is what the scripture says about our hearts, right? As a man thinks in his heart, below the surface of his life, so he is. Think about this one, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Whew. Memorize that one. We'll close with this. I want the, the band to come on out and we'll, we'll bring it home. Friends, the last battle that we have to engage in every day is the battle of shame versus grace. And really it's the fight of faith. It's the fight of faith because as you go through life in this world, as life throws things at you in this world, as you lose battles on a daily basis, because you're not gonna win all these battles all the time. Some of the ruts that you're in right now, it might take some serious work by the grace of God, some recovery programs, getting involved in a group, letting somebody else in, learning new habits and daily rhythms of life. But I'm telling you this right now, along this journey, shame will always be whispering in your ears, you're not going to make it. Give up now. Look at you, you failed again. You're still going back to that old rut. You're still stuck in that rut. You, you're never gonna build a trench to freedom and joy. You can't do it, it's just gonna whisper. And the grace of God says, you're already free. You are completely loved and forgiven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead so that now you have the power within you to pull down divine strongholds. And it may take a long time, but God is with you and he's with you in this journey and he's gonna lead you to freedom and completion in this journey because the good work that Jesus Christ began in each one of you, he will see it to the end and he will never, ever give up on you ever. So my exhortation to you is do not give up on yourself. Don't keep turning back to Christ and running back to the gospel. I thought of it like this. July 4th, 1776, a group of men gathered in the early colonies of America and they, they gathered together and they formed the Declaration of Independence declaring themselves a free and independent nation from the sovereign rule of the British Empire. Good for them, that was great. 
We're free, we're a nation, we declare our independence. What do you think Great Britain did with that? All right, cool, y'all can have it. Absolutely not. That's when the real fight began. Just because they declared their own freedom, just because they believe that, man, we wanna do, we wanna build something different. We, we believe in a different form of govern, governance for the people, by the people. We no longer, no, no sovereign monarch can rule here. We wanna be free. And as soon as they wrote that document and said, here's who we're gonna be and here's who we are and what we're about, man, the battle intensified. The British Empire, the strongest empire on the planet said, we're not giving up this territory easily or quickly. We're going to war. And they fought tooth and nail against all odds. And the turning point did not come until over a year later, a full year later of battles and victories and losses. But in Saratoga, New York, they won against all odds. And the French who'd been sort of watching from a distance said, these crazy little colonists might actually beat the strongest empire on planet Earth. We're gonna join them in the fight because we don't like Great Britain either. And suddenly we had a strong ally. But the actual acknowledgement from Great Britain, from England, that we were truly our own free independent nation didn't come until a full eight years later. The battle continued, the war continued, and yes, the war in the end was won. The turning point happened in 1777, but the actual reality of the freedom and the independence that they declared early on took a long time. Friends, this is true for your life and mine. The moment you accept Christ into your life, he declares you free. He declares you healed and clean and holy, and he declares that you are loved and forgiven but then the fight starts. The battle begins, the fight of faith. And that's where we have to lean into grace and silence the voice of shame because Christ died on the cross. Friends, we're gonna close as we always do with communion. We're also gonna have our prayer teams down front to pray. We have the prayer walls at the back of the, the room where you can write any prayer requests. We pray over those every week. Thank you for those who are writing those. We had some powerful prayer requests come through this week. But I wanna encourage you, take a step today. Come down front and get some prayer. If you find yourself in the same old rut, losing these battles on a daily basis, invite some other people into that. But right now, we're gonna remember the freedom that was won for us on the cross by Jesus Christ. We're gonna remember what was done for us because communion represents the death of his body on the cross and the shedding of his blood for our sins. So friends, in this moment, as you reflect on your life and what Christ has done for you, let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.